This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. For the team, like he was protecting us on the boat. We just wanted to disembark and have the rest of our evening and, and, uh, and he sort of took it for us. A reminder for you, News Nation set to host the first presidential town hall with Republican candidate Vivek Ramaswamy. Leland Bitter hosts live from here in Chicago Monday. Live audiences in Chicago, Iowa, and New Hampshire. Well, I'm Nicole Burley. That's all for News Nation Now. I thank you so much for watching this Wednesday. We'll give you a quick look at our primetime lineup. But first, the biggest headlines out of our nation's capital. The Hill starts right now. Well, now we know who else was helping Jack Smith put his case together against Donald Trump. Twitter. This afternoon, news of a subpoena and a secret search warrant, and Trump is none too pleased about it. Plus, out on the campaign trail, Chris Christie is telling Trump to say it right to his face. I mean, he's such a hot mess, and he's, like, talking to me about what I look like. Take a look at him. Well, he is issuing a new challenge to Trump, as Christie says he is climbing in the polls. And back in the hospital yet again, the California Senator Dianne Feinstein falling in her home in San Francisco. The staff for the 90-year-old senator says everything's just fine. But the health scares among Washington's oldest members are not slowing down. The Hill on News Nation starts right now. Hello again. Thanks for being back with us here on The Hill. I'm Blake Berman, joined today by Chris Steyerwalt, News Nation political editor and senior fellow at the American Inter- Enterprise Institute. Rebecca Heinrichs is a senior fellow at the Hudson Institute. Bob Cusack, of course, the editor in chief of The Hill. And Johanna Mosca, former Obama official and News Nation contributor. Hello to you all. Nice to have you all back. It was like kind of like a slow day. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> bam, we got, got a little bit of news this afternoon. And we start, of course, with the unsealed court papers where we learn the special counsel, Jack Smith, obtained a search warrant for Donald Trump's Twitter account that happened earlier this year. The warrant was signed by a federal judge in Washington, we now know. And it is the first known example of Smith directly searching the former president's communications as part of the investigation into attempts to overturn the 2020 election. Around the table we go. Chris, we start with you. Um, What do you make of Jack Smith needing Twitter to look into Donald Trump? Wouldn't you love to see the DMs? Wouldn't you love (laughs) to see into the DMs? Uh, Probably not for very long. Look, I'm sure these aren't the only communications of Donald Trump's that Jack Smith has subpoenaed and obtained, and I'm sure that the judge who granted him this 
uh, granted him other communications right. that Donald Trump had. And look, we have the Georgia case pending now where prosecutors in Georgia are getting ready to move on to their case, which uh, is seems like a more straightforward kind of case because it deals with Georgia law and, and, the, and the folks there. I'm sure that Jack Smith and prosecutors have looked at an awful lot of Donald Trump's communications. I got to say, as someone who had to follow the Presidential Records Act, everything President Obama even wrote to someone had to be turned in and had to go into the Presidential Records Act. So, you know, but we, that was on his at POTUS but, handle, right? This is but at this real is Donald the Trump, interesting the thing. Way. When you are the president of the United States, like if you're conducting business over Twitter, we changed it all because we gave him a cell phone, right? Like <laughs> giving President Obama BlackBerry at the time was a big deal. And then Trump had Twitter. That is these are communications that are not through official military secure uh, you know, transmissions. And so they're, they open up multiple vulnerabilities, but I certainly think he deserves the, rec- the right to see them. And Twitter really had no choice. <laughs> I mean, he had, they had to give over these records without a doubt. Um, but what exactly is Jack Smith looking for? I mean, it could be where he was when he posted stuff, other people posting DMs. Yeah. There's got to be a lot of data. Remember, you know, when, when he did this in the middle of the night, it was funny. And he, Kofefe. Yeah. It was funny for you to tell the reporters, oh, go write about that. But for the reporters, it was like, come on. Blake, get us something on Kofefe. But now it's serious, and it could really could lead to some type of smoking gun. Who knows? Well, who knows? And remember, Donald Trump is so notoriously nervous about his communication, so he would write something, and then he would rip it up, and then staff would have to come and piece together everything. So I'm actually really curious as to know what was he willing to write over those DMs. He might have actually been restrained. I don't know. But beyond beyond all that, there are the issues that Donald Trump raises and that conservatives raise. For example, here was the reaction. And by the way, Donald Trump found out with the rest of us. Uh, Twitter had to keep all of this silent by court order. Here was Donald Trump's reaction. He said, quote, just found out that crooked Joe Biden's DOJ secretly attacked my Twitter account, making it a point not to let me know about this major hit on my civil rights. My political opponent is going crazy to try to infringe on my campaign for president. Nothing like this has ever happened before. Does the First Amendment still exist? Did deranged Jack Smith tell the unselects to destroy and delete all evidence. These are dark days in America. Rebecca, this is the issue that many Republicans have been taking with Jack Smith and this investigation. No, I mean, and he, he's got a point. I mean, what, what, is your, what is the degree to which these kinds of things should be private and Americans should expect that their First Amendment is protected? But again, this goes back, you know, Donald Trump didn't, he's not a normal American. He was the president of the United States. He was conducting business via Twitter. That was a main staple of the way he conducted um, business. And so I think that there is every reasonable expectation that she, he should if, have these if the, if the charge against Donald Trump is that he tried to steal a second term and that he tried to interfere with the peaceful transition of power to his rightful successor, Joe Biden, then that's where the investigation goes. The idea, what what the coded message from Trump and from his supporters in the Republican Party is, he did it, but he shouldn't be prosecuted for it for two reasons. He's a former president and he's a political figure, so he shouldn't be prosecuted. And because Hunter Biden's not being uh, uh, dragged uh, underneath a, a garbage scow somewhere, <laughs> that Donald Trump shouldn't be touched. I want to tell you, in the primary, it's a perfectly good argument to make. In a general election, it's a dog. All right. Speaking of that primary, Chris Christie has been clear that he doesn't believe that the former president is fit to be president once again and that he has to perform well in New Hampshire to continue making that case. It seems that focus there could potentially be paying off for Christie. 
The former New Jersey governor is tied for second place in a new poll of New Hampshire Republicans. And it seems that the front runner, former President Trump, is starting to take notice. News Nation national correspondent Robert Sherman is live in Manchester once again. With the details, and Robert, this one um, has taken an unusual route, has it not? Yeah, most certainly has, Blake. You're definitely starting to feel the landscape of this race shifting here in the state of New Hampshire. And it's no mystery that the former New Jersey governor is betting big on this state. He spent the day touring mental health and rehab clinics around the Granite State. And as his support seems to grow here in New Hampshire, former president put the former New Jersey governor right in his crosshairs at his own rally here yesterday. Listen to this. No, no, Christie's he's eating right now. He can't be bothered. <laughs> Sir, please do not call him a fat pig. That's very disrespectful. Don't call him. See, I'm, I'm trying to be nice. Don't call him a fat pig. I am so in his head. What's he doing talking about me? It's because now I'm in second place in New Hampshire. You want to say something? Two weeks from tonight, show up. I'll be on the stage. Yeah, the former president has not said definitively if he will or will not debate August 23rd in Milwaukee. But what is clear here, Blake, is, is that the campaign trail starting to get a little bit chippy out here. Blake? Yeah, uh, we're at that point, I guess. Robert Sherman live for us in New Hampshire once again. Robert, thank you. All right, turning over to the panel. Chris Christie's chances. Bob, what do you make of it? This new poll, New Hampshire poll, Republican presidential primary. Donald Trump at 43, Ron DeSantis at nine, and so is Chris Christie. Listen, I mean, he's got to do well in that state. Do I see a path to the nomination for Chris Christie? No, because the base doesn't trust him. At the same time, he's very plain spoken, like Donald Trump. He doesn't do nuance. He doesn't talk like a politician. It's working, and he's landing blows on Trump. But he's Chris Christie. And the Republican base doesn't like him. That's why I don't, I I don't will, see the going I'll anywhere. say that he would be very competitive in the general election. He would have every chance against Joe Biden. And I, I was thinking about this earlier. You know, New Hampshire always wants to do something different than Iowa. But if New Hampshire goes for Christie, they pick almost all of the Republican presidents. Right, Chris? Uh, New Hampshire does, as they like to say of Iowa, and it's mean, but they say, uh, we don't pick corn, we pick presidents and, and, and all of that stuff. Um, the importance of this debate um, for Christie, so in, in Trump has a decision to make about whether he's going to debate. Um, front runners sometimes don't do the first debate. That's not a new thing. That's not a new idea. Jeb Bush, Mitt Romney, other past frontrunners have, have opted not to enter into the first debates. Trump, though, because of his legal problems, uh, faces that, and with Chris Christie out there heckling him, that he's going to be called a chicken, he's going to say that he's hiding from something. But if you're Trump, I think here's what you want if you don't debate. You want Chris Christie to be just pummeling Trump out there, attacking Trump, attacking Trump, and then watch who else on the stage will defend Trump. And that would be an interesting moment on that mm. stage to yeah. see, will it be Vivek Ramaswamy? Who will be the people that will mm. marshal their support for Trump? And that would, Trump already said he's going to do it as a, a VP, as a, as a running mate audition. Uh, and Christie could end up being playing the foil in that. Back to those comments uh, from Donald Trump. Here was the response from Chris Christie on Twitter uh, about the comments about Chris Christie's weight. Chris Christie wrote, quote, if you had the guts, you would show up to the debate and say it to my face. <laughs> you talk to people, though, 
And they will say that Chris Christie believes that Donald Trump does not want to debate him. And that Chris Christie essentially is starting to lay the groundwork for that. I mean, I mean, we'll see. I mean, Chris Christie, to me, acts like he would be perfectly happy to debate Donald Trump. Um, I'm actually really interested in, in, the way, in his specific retort, too, because one of the things that I've wondered is, how are these, how are these candidates going to actually directly respond to these personal insults? It kind of kept, took everybody by surprise the first time around. And Chris Christie is really, I think, it was actually a perfect response, which is, I struggle with my weight. Americans struggle with their weight. Why are you attacking me? You're really attacking them. And that's really been Donald Trump saying, you know, people are coming after me and I'm really you. And Chris Christie's kind of flipping the tables on that. So I think that the way he's responding is actually very useful and a good example for other candidates. He's been to Ukraine. Uh, he's uh, all in in New Hampshire. He's doing all that stuff. Bob, the sage, is very right that it's the, you don't see the path. He's the most disliked of all the candidates. He has the highest negatives. But I will say this. Some of those negatives are people who mistrust him because of his association with Trump mm. before. Right. So some of that 60 percent or so of Republicans who have negative attitudes about Christie and polls, some of them are people who are Trumpos, who love Trump, and they, they think Christie's a traitor. But others are the other way. And he might have a way into the discussion in New Hampshire. Uh, and if Chris Sununu, I mean, you can you can see how something you could, could happen. See it. You can see honestly, it. Honestly, if you even talk about like the abortion question, he's got the best answer, which is the states don't even have a solution on this. Federal government shouldn't have a solution until they figure this it out. This is why he's so, not, and not I mean, in he's, second place in But if Trump doesn't show up, I mean, based upon what Christie did to Marco Rubio in 2016, yeah. Christie is a, is a very good debater and arguably the best one on the stage I, if Trump is if, if, I, if I mixed up the names there, you, you talk to people who say that that Donald Trump doesn't want to see Chris Christie debate him. I, I might have mixed up the names. Yeah. But um, in any event, it's that point yeah. that he is he he buried Marco Rubio was, and his was, chances that in that debate. I don't want to take anything away from Governor Christie's performance in that debate, but Marco Rubio took himself out of that <laughs> It wasn't Chris Christie, and by the time Chris Christie put the... the so Chris Christie was Chris like Christie when you roast a turkey, a, that last little thing goes blip and pops out. That debate was that <laughs> popping out on Marco Rubio's What do you think Christie could do in a, in a debate against Trump? Last thoughts. I, I think if he is in Trump's head and he can harass and annoy Trump and Trump feels obliged to answer him, that Christie could keep Trump off of his game and and that creates interesting opportunities for other people. All right. Well, on the other side of the aisle, President Biden is on his way to Utah tonight as part of a tour out west. Earlier today in Provo, the FBI agents there shot and killed uh, someone who they uh, went to the, to the front door to the residence and visited. They were attempting to serve warrants over allegedly to this individual making death threats to President Biden. Joining us now to break this all down, Charles Marino, former uh, Secret Service special agent. Homeland Security Department advisor as well. Charles, thanks for being here on the Hill. So as far as we know it from the FBI agent, th this man in his 70s, we are uh, learning to, starting to learn, was making threats against President Biden, making threats against Alvin Bragg. There was some sort of knock on the door or show up uh, to, that, to that residence to, to serve a search warrant. And now we know that that individual is dead. I'm, I'm wondering if you have any information beyond that. Yeah, well, what I can tell you is I've reviewed the Facebook posts made by the deceased, and these were direct threats, not only against the president of the United States, but also the vice president, officials that are involved in the prosecuting of cases against former President Trump, and as well as threats against the FBI and other federal agents. And so this is a clear violation of law. There was no ambiguity here. 
And based on the fact that you had the president of the United States traveling to the very state where the suspect was located, they needed to take action. And they were armed with why, both an arrest warrant and search warrant. And is, and is that sort of, take us behind the thinking, Charles, is that sort of, I, don't, I guess, not the tipping point, but the main consideration here, you've got the president of the United States, a threat against him, but also that he's heading into that very state? Yeah, it's a unique situation, and, and sometimes it's it's one that we uh, confronted even during my time in the Secret Service. Normally, based on where a suspect is located, is taken into consideration, right? Are they able to formulate and carry out a plan of attack uh, against the person they're threatening? Where are they located? Um, do they have the means? Do they have money? Do they have a car? And do they have access to weapons? So here, with the president traveling to the same state, sped up the process of forcing the FBI while working with the Secret Service to carry out these uh, search and arrest warrants. How, how often does something like this happen where there is a threat and the FBI feels uh, that they need to act in a manner like in, in a sort of a, yeah. like these kinds of circumstances? Well, we're seeing an increase, unfortunately, based on the political rhetoric and divisiveness throughout the country. Uh, and what people need to understand is that not all speech is free, right? You can't yell fire in a movie theater and you can't threaten a government official, especially the president of the United States. There will be consequences. And the Secret Service and the FBI act very quickly in these types of cases. So anybody that plans on uttering a threat uh, one that is overheard uh, or feels like going online and writing a threat, these are going to be investigated vigorously and quickly, and you will be prosecuted. But I, and, and, but I guess just last, last question, Charles, how often does this happen? Like in your career, how often did you, did you see threats like this made against the president of the United States? Like I said, it happens. Uh, there's a, a good quantity that happens. Each one undergoes their own individual assessment where we take a lot of information into account. Sometimes you're dealing pe with people with mental illness who are crying out for help. Uh, we help facilitate that help. Other times you have people, like I said, uh, that have their wits about themselves, they're able to formulate a plan and carry out a plan. Uh, and those are the people that you normally need to take criminal action against. But the numbers are going up. By the way, uh, the FBI says President Biden was briefed, on, or the White House says, I should say, that President Biden was briefed on this earlier today. No change at all to his travel plans out west. Charles Marino, uh, thanks for joining us here on The Hill. Appreciate the time and perspective as always. Thank you. Uh, Johanna, Thank you, you. you've been all around the world with then President yeah. Obama, all around the country. Take us sort of Feel the curtain back as, as the president travels yeah. and, and situations like this come well, up. Well, and it's funny because I was on with Boyd Matheson in Utah earlier today talking about that, our friend Boyd. And it's, it's way bigger than people think, right? You think a president leaves, but you're actually moving all the military apparatus so that he has the equivalent of the Situation Room anywhere you go. There's always security threats, and certainly with President Obama from the early days, there was a heightened sense of security. So even on the campaign trail... 
I remember times where the pool had no idea, but there were definitely people detained for threats. Hmm. And again, there, you know, I think Charles was just wonderful, you know, giving us all the information because they take it very seriously and they take it very delicately because there could be other issues that they were dealing with. But the teams are on the ground six days in advance on a domestic trip. Normally, it's like 12 to 14 days in advance for a foreign trip. And you are walking through absolutely every route and making sure, you know, in this situation, he was not only saying that he was threatening the president, but saying, come to Utah. Like, this is a threat in Utah. So um, it's it's really, you know, serious. It's very good that they took uh, action. And I'm I'm sure that everyone regrets that there was a death, but it's unusual. And I guess... I really hope our political rhetoric can lessen so that we don't continue this cult-like mentality of division. Boyd Matheson, radio host uh, yes. out in uh, the state of Utah. He's a peach. He's he a is. peach. <laughs> if, if, what you, if you believed what President Trump said about, what former President Trump said about Jack Smith, if you believed what he said, then January 6th was a correct response. Uh, then uh, insurrection is a correct response. Uh, we don't take Trump seriously, right, or literally with all of the things that he says because you're like, oh, well, that guy, you know, he, he says a lot of things. And I don't know whether, and this will be part of the case that uh, Jack Smith is trying to make. Did Trump, was Trump crazy or was he lying, right, will basically be the, the question. Did Trump believe that he had really won or really not won? But I think to Johanna's point, this is serious stuff. There are unwell people in the world. And when you ratchet up rhetoric about people, I'm sure the Trump administration faced serious threats of the same kind as people. I, the fact yes. that the Secret Service, I, I, the fact that the Secret Service succeeded in preventing a serious threat yeah. uh, a, against a sitting president mm-hmm. in all of these years is amazing. Yep. My grandmother was convinced I was going to die for eight years, and um, I was always very grateful for the protection of the Secret Service. Your grandma, here we are. Yeah, we <laughs> are. Hi, hi Grandma. <laughs> All right, well, coming up, corruption or misdirection? The GOP unveiling bank records today, saying the Bidens raked in $20 million in foreign, foreign payments. So is it a smoking gun? What does Chris Steyerwalt think about all this? We'll discuss, but first, more health concerns for Senator Dianne Feinstein. Back in the hospital again today, and more questions about the 90-year-old's health. When the Hill on News Nation returns. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. She needs to go. You know, the one thing I agreed with Donald Trump from the beginning on was term limits. And I think we've seen a lot of people have been there for a very long time. California is not being adequately represented, and we've got one out of every eight Americans are living in the state of California. We only have two senators. That said, I also have to bring up that John McCain died in office. He obviously went to the hospital a lot, being treated by, for cancer. Ted Kennedy died in office. I think that Democrats are reluctant. Uh, McConnell is clearly in office. Strom Thurmond was 100. And the, the other reason why Democrats are reluctant, other than the politics in California, which is messy, 
is because they're not sure that the replacement would get her seats. And that's a big question of whether they could actually keep those seats or have those seats. You mean the committee positions? Yeah, the committee positions. Could they get those seats if they appoint a replacement? And so they may be inclined, like the others, to keep her in office. There's obviously the story about Dianne Feinstein. And then there's the story about age of political leadership in Washington. If we have the numbers, um, and we can put it up, if you look at basically the leaders in Washington, President Biden, the de facto head of the Republican Party, Donald Trump, the top Democrat in the Senate, the top Republican in the Senate, the top Republican in the House, and the top Democrat in the House. The youngest is Akeem Jeffries, and he is a spring chicken <laughs> at 53 years old. That's the right age. The no one in their the right 30s, age. no one in their 40s at 53, and then you got several in their 80s. I think that's where people say, you know what, when you see what happened with Mitch McConnell, when you see what's going on with Dianne Feinstein, you know. No, this is a real problem, and I think people are getting tired of it. And he is a spring chicken. Actually, Jeffries and I were born on the exact same day. When you say that, I really enjoy it. Thank you. But you get the you get the point. It's not about yes. his age. It's it's when you you know the average member of Congress is fifty eight, right? Well, also, so it's they're well above. And, and some are very with it. Bernie Sanders is older than Joe Biden, but he's very much in the game. Yeah. And but, it's been in the same game for a very well, long that's time. true. But Mitch McConnell. I mean, you know, all these. But what, what's going to happen with Feinstein? I mean, it's they're not going to push her out. If she can show up. And the other thing that also is a big factor is, is their small majority. They need yeah. her in the Senate. They need everyone to show up. And someday she, someday she can't. Well, look, you know, age, you generally associate with wisdom. So I don't necessarily have a problem with these 60s, 70s, 80s. Richard Shelby just retired. He was 80 plus years old and still doing great with all of his great faculties and physically doing good. But he's still new enough to retire before he started to decline. I think, though, the problem is, though, you don't, we don't we're missing the elder statesmen. We just have older and then declining in health and mental faculties. And that's where we have a problem. Here was Mitch McConnell in his home state of Kentucky just a couple days ago. Watch. We're up against folks who'd rather let repeat offenders walk free than get tough on crime. I'm glad Governor Bashir finally decided to come to Fancy Farm. It's been the first Saturday in August for 143 years. Chris, you heard the chance of retire. Well, we should we should note here the fancy farm gathering is as he as the as the Senate uh, minority leader said, uh, venerable old 150 year tradition on the first Saturday in August that it is this cavalcade uh, where people come together and it's like a, the Iowa straw poll or something else. Uh, the people who were there came there to boo him. Uh, it is, but let's say this: the reason Diane Feinstein. Uh, is not retiring is because she doesn't want to get pushed out. Mm. Uh, Rebecca reminded me while we were in break about the moment where she, when she still was at the height of her power. 2019. Yeah, 2019. when when a group of protesters got in her face and she read them the riot act and was right and effective and good. And the distance from there to here is not very many in years, but the decline can be steep. But I'm sure she doesn't want to get forced out. The other thing is California Democrats. Mm-hmm. They got three members of Congress running for that Senate seat yeah. right now. You've got Gav- Gavin Newsom with lots of presidential aspirations. If that Senate seat opens up, it is going to be a real goat rodeo trying to fill that thing and giving it to somebody and how they're going to do it. So good luck, Gavin. <laughs> All right. Well, from California to Ohio, as voters there have uh, rejected a referendum that would make it harder to amend the state's constitution, with nearly 60 percent of the state voting the measure down. It comes ahead of a vote this upcoming November to ensure the right to 
abortion in Ohio's constitution. Bob, this was a, a vote in the middle of August yep. in which nearly 40% of the electorate turned out. This is, is this a warning siren to Republicans about abortion going forward? Absolutely. We always talk about voters, how they have short memories. Well, not on certain things, not on abortion. And that's the reason why Democrats did better than expected in the midterms. And that's why it's, it's going to be big for them in 2024. No doubt about it. Is it almost like we saw what happened in 2022, right? And you were wondering in 2022, there was supposed to be this big red wave in the midterms. And Democrats had nothing to run on. But that's one data point, right? Yes. There was a lot of little data points in one big sample, I guess. But now we have multiple samples, it appears. Could it it also, though, put Ohio in play for the presidential? Because Ohio has been so red. But if abortion and cannabis are on the ballot. It could save Sherrod Brown's seat. It could. It could. He's a good campaigner. And maybe the presidential? Uh, what could I say except for that Bob is right? Bob, <laughs> on, on everything but football teams, Bob is generally right. Who's the football team? Not New the Steelers, New York Jets. Which makes oh, okay, so you're definitely wrong. Wrong. <laughs> last, last thought. Yeah. I, I would just say, you know, look, you know, once Roe v. Wade was decided, I think the country lost several decades of nuanced, careful debate about the issue of abortion. So there's a lot of pro-lifers now that Roe v. Wade is gone. They don't have an answer. They sort of thought that that, that this conversation was over. There needs to be a lot of persuasion, a lot of discussion now. And so I think that it's going to take some time to get there. And this was a dumb idea. Uh, They, the... Nobody cares, needs to know about all of the intricacies of this gambit. But basically, this was the pro-life community trying to block the uh, pro-choice community from getting ballot access in November. So they thought they'd steal a march on them with the low turnout election in August, mobilize their base, and the opposite thing happened. It blew up on them. Yep. All right. Well, coming up, bank records and the Bidens. The GOP releasing new financial documents today, alleging the Biden family received millions from overseas. So what's the next move and what's the White House saying about all this? That's coming up after the break. All right. Welcome back. House Republicans once again taking aim at Hunter Biden and his past business dealings. A summary of new records released by the House Oversight Committee today says, quote, committee staff is releasing payments from Russia, Ukraine and Kazakhstan that occurred during Joe Biden's vice presidency. Goes on to say, the committee has now identified over $20 million from foreign sources to Hunter and his business associates. One item that was highlighted, for example, in 2014, an oligarch from Kazakhstan wired $142,000 to the business operated by Biden, Hunter Biden and his partner. The next day, the Republican records show a payment was made by Hunter Biden's company for a sports car for him in the exact same amount. There is new reaction from Joe Biden on this. Uh, Chris, I'll get your response in a second. But when you see the House Oversight Committee putting out more evidence like this, what do you make of it? Well, uh, it's not new. It's just specific, right? Okay. This, this is, these are uh, lurid details about a lurid life. Uh, and the thing that strikes me is when you hear stuff like that, that Hunter Biden didn't, didn't end up dead because he was basically swindling 
uh, dirtbags internationally, right? He was finding the worst of the worst around the world, and he was saying, I have this special influence. And if you come from a corrupt country where people believe that being, I, I, I want to say, there's very little less powerful in the United States of America's go- system of government than the vice president, and then to say that you're the son of the vice president. Right. Now, if you're in Kazakhstan, that's probably sounds like, oh, maybe this is pretty good. <laughs> uh, and Hunter Biden basically swindled all of these people around the world, buying sports cars, doing all of this stuff. Uh, what Demo- What Republicans want here is... If they can't get to this magic point where they can say Joe Biden profited from his son's tawdry behavior, right. that what they can do is continue to pump and churn and churn and put new details out there. President Biden was asked about this uh, today. Quote, there's testimony now where one of your son's former business associates is claiming that you were on speakerphone a lot talking business. Biden, quote, I never talked business. I knew you'd have a lousy question. <laughs> Why is that a lousy question? The reporter asks the president of the United States, quote, because it's not true. Uh, the president, uh, his ongoing sparring relationship with our former colleague at Fox News, Peter Ducey. Uh, congratulations on the new baby, Peter. <laughs> um, you know, what Biden has demonstrated, he is not able to deal with the Hunter Biden problem, with the problem of his son in a politically astute way. And I'm very sympathetic of a father who has watched his son, who is clearly not even yet ready to be accountable for the things that he has done in the past and not even yet ready to do these things. And your heart breaks for the father. But I think what we will continue to see is that Democrats and allies uh, in the media and in the public space pushing Hunter Biden out and down. And instead of telling a story about Hunter Biden is an amazing story of recovery and look at his beautiful art, it's going to be Hunter Biden's a bad guy and he uh, tricked his dad and he's a bad person. I think you'll hear more and more of that from Democrats. So isn't, isn't, you know, President Biden used to say, I never talked business with my son. And he said it today, too. Um, And then the White House shifted it to they were never in business. Democrats are saying, look, there is no line, as Chris pointed out, directly going from that money in a Hunter's bank account over to Joe Biden, right? But isn't the issue or one of the issues that Devin Archer testified that there were meetings and Hunter Biden would take out the cell phone, father of the United, vice president of the United States and say, hey, let's call up my dad in the middle of these business meetings. If I were to put my dad on cell phone right now, it would be weird, it's right? Weird. In the middle right now. Like, it might like, be great. But, you don't know. But, but, but <laughs> if, I, if my dad was the number two at this network, then that might say... It'd still be I, weird. I, it would still be weird. But, he but it would, say, but it would show that, you know what, I got a little bit of power here, would it not? And that's part of the issue. I mean, with trading on big names, trading on politicians' names, that, that goes back centuries right. uh, in Washington. At the same time, and you hit it on it, Blake, is that the president uh, has said some things that are not accurate. Yep. Now, James Comer, who's doing the investigation, has said this is about the president, not the Biden family necessarily. This is all leading up to a subpoena to Hunter Biden, and that's going to happen probably in 2024, and he's going to have to testify. If, if they actually link that Joe Biden was being paid by foreign governments, I will be the first Democrat to say he should absolutely not run for office again. Here's the trouble. Like, I go back, I was in the administration in 2015 was the last year, but I remember, like, he was very much gearing up as if he wanted to run for president. He was not thinking about, and he would take every call from any one of his family members because he's a family guy, but I don't remember, like, nobody really took Hunter 
or uh, took him seriously. So it was like, you know, this whole notion that he was like playing with everybody. It's like he should have been so in any of the ethics briefings that we were in. But I don't I don't know that there's the link there. So the way I kind of see it is this is just obvious corruption. I mean, this obvious. is corruption. The American people know it. They can see it. It doesn't matter if Joe Biden himself was personally being enriched. But what, those but, Donald but, Trump's but, kids. Yes, but we're talking about the current president of the United States. He was vice president of the United States. He continues to lie about it. Hunter this, Biden is still living in the White House. And here's Ivanka the thing. Ivanka was getting Hunter, was But getting Hunter patents. Biden had no particular talent that he was trading on with these oligarchs or these people. It was just political influence by the vice president of the United States. And Joe Biden is and was complicit because he knew it. And here's the other thing. I'm not sympathetic to the argument that this is what a loving father does. A loving father does not let his drug addicted son continue to behave this way and act in a corrupt fashion and use his political you know, power. But what, but what if you couldn't president? what if you couldn't do anything about it? Yeah. And that's the real danger thing about Hunter Biden here. What if Joe Biden figured, I can't do anything about this person. He is a rogue actor. He will do whatever he wants to do. And I can either exile him and disown him or do my best. I have watched a lot of families with people in active addiction make a lot of similar mistakes. But but here's the thing. You're the vice president of the United States. When I was a congressional staffer, I took so many ethics courses. And I knew that even just as a House staffer, that I could not use any kind of even... Uh, you know, reputation of having power yeah. to be able to enrich myself or my and family. And your first point is the right one. This is corruption. It is corruption. Whether or not Joe Biden ever got a nickel out of it, it is corruption. And you it are right. Happen. And you are right that Jared Kushner trading on his access to Donald Trump is corruption. All yeah. of these things are corruption, and you have to show a little restraint. By the way, before before we go, uh, just the reaction from the White House today. They said, "Quote: Comer and his fellow extreme Republicans in Congress." are now admitting that they haven't uncovered any proof or involvement of wrongdoing by President Biden. They simply will continue to spread innuendo and lies as they pursue a baseless impeachment stunt to attack the president. That is the statement from the White House today. All right, coming up, no hard feelings. (laughs) That was really the next slide. Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, No hard feelings. The most liked and disliked leaders in the world. Americans weigh in the surprising results. Oh, I say. I say. Court. For decades, aqueous film forming foam or AFFF has been used to extinguish liquid fuel fires. A scientific study has now shown that the chemicals used to make AFFF are highly toxic to humans and can cause a significant risk of developing several types of cancer, including kidney, pancreatic, thyroid, prostate, bladder, testicular, liver, or non Hodgkin's lymphoma. If you or a loved one are a firefighter, first responder, airport worker, or member of the military that has used firefighting foam and has been diagnosed with cancer, please call the Negligence Network to file your claim today. There's no fee unless we win your case. Call the Negligence Network to see if you're eligible for substantial compensation. Call 1-800-500-1636. That's 1-800-500-1636. Tonight on Banfield, did the alleged Gilgo Beach serial killer trip into his own trap? How one possible phone call from the suspect may have led to his arrest. Our voice analysis experts weigh in. Tonight on Banfield, only on News Nation. All right, welcome back. A new Gallup poll shows the leaders Americans love and hate the most. And atop the list, a member of the British royal family. The poll found that Prince William had the highest net favorability, followed by the Ukrainian leader Zelensky, the First Lady Jill Biden, and Supreme Court Chief Justice John Roberts also in the positive. 
Meantime, former President Trump, Vice President Harris, President Biden, and former Vice President Pence all scored negative favorability ratings, basically the same number there, as you can see. And at the bottom of the list, Vladimir Putin, the most disliked and received the worst rating Gallup has ever recorded a net of negative 85. What's your takeaway? What's your surprise here? At least they got Putin right. (laughs) But, like, I'm sorry. This is what the media climate has done to us because do you know the dirt on the royal family? I mean, why in the U.S. are we admiring the royals? They've got their own family problems that include an Epstein. (laughs) I was shocked to see King Charles at at a plus nine. Well, now, wait a minute. (laughs) I don't. I I hate to always be the pole poo-pooer, but let me poo-poo the pole. (laughs) to say, these are apples and oranges. Prince William does not ask anything of the American people. He, is, is just he a doesn't pleasant, talk. He's just a pleasant, <laughs> he's a pleasant man uh, married to a lovely woman and fa fa fa. And he's not asking you for anything. He's not in charge of anything. He's just a celebrity. So what this poll does is compare international celebrities with American politicians. And the reason that they have such high unfavorable numbers Mm. is that they have high numbers generally. Everybody has an opinion about Donald Trump, positive or negative. Everybody has an opinion about Joe Biden, positive or negative. Uh, Whether or not Prince Charles, uh, King Charles, is good or bad. John Roberts shocked me. The Chief Justice. I was like, huh? That's another light poo-pooing, which is... Okay, go. Take all the fun out, Starwall. He has low name identification. (laughs) Generally, yeah, general, right? Yeah. So obtaining an 11% net positive, if you only have 18% total uh, name identification, you've done it, right? They just pretended that they... But where is Taylor Swift? Because Taylor Swift, like, she'd be at the top. Uh, Beyonce. <laughs> Beyonce. Well, she's she's got to run for office right. to make this. I mean, honestly, Oprah? I think No Labels is looking. For, for, for Taylor <laughs> Swift? Oprah. No, it's Oprah and The Rock, what do, what and they're going to dominate. What do you think their numbers would be on something like this? Oh, through the roof. Again, they would Hillary be. Clinton used to have great numbers when she was former right. First Lady yes. Hillary Clinton. And then when she became presidential candidate Hillary Clinton, yep. boom, Joe Biden used to be beloved by everybody. And then he ran for president for real, and his numbers went down. If you ask people for something... And to have an opinion about what you do, that's different than just being a celebrity. So we think too. I think there's a little bit of just fatigue when you talk about American politicians and how much just dirt we know about our own politicians. And you look at the royal family, and it does seem like they're very well put together. Oh, I like the divide here. I like, I like, I like the parties that can break out the royal family. Here. That's good. It's a family that's intact. I don't think you're so intact. Yeah, they seem very much intact. Republican Congressman from Texas, Dan Crenshaw about cartels at the southern border, along with his push for psychedelic treatment for certain conditions. You can catch that interview 6 o'clock Eastern right here on News Nation. And coming up before we go, stories that caught our eye, including Hank the Tank, a 400-pound bear in a series of break-ins in California. Is this yours? It me. (laughs) What else caught our eye coming up? Tonight on Banfield, did the alleged Gilgo Beach serial killer trip into his own trap? How one possible phone call from the suspect may have led to his arrest. Our voice analysis experts weigh in tonight on Banfield, only on News Nation. All right, well, before we say goodbye, here's a few other headlines that caught our eye, Miss Masca. Yeah, mine was that UPS drivers are now going to make $170,000 a year. I, saw I said that. this to my mom, and she said that someone we went to high school with is actually getting into UPS. And I think it's 
fantastic. It also shows that Joe Biden has a point on the power of unions still because it was, of course, a negotiation. The mighty New York Yankees was one of the biggest budgets in all of baseball who have made the playoffs every year since the Obama administration are now on the outside looking in. It's almost fo- football season. It's getting late for the Yankees. You know, it's, it, they're, they're not usually in this position. They're always basically in contention. As a Cardinals fan, I feel your pain. <laughs> yeah. I, I think what, one, of my, one of my favorite stats of Derek Jeter's career is that I think he played, what, like one game where it didn't matter in contention or something mm-hmm. like that? Yeah. I mean, because they're they, always in it. They, they made it not, not, it's not current, 13 years in a row from the 1990s into and the 2000s. And the MLB, into the, 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 the dynasty, the great organizations of MLB, I think were caught unawares by the changes in the rules. Yeah. And I think the Yankees are one of Tons them. Tons of the Cardinals too. Yes. Absolutely. Rebecca? I'm the one with the really sad, terrible, <laughs> serious story. Special, the special inspector general for Afghanistan cannot certify where all of these billions of dollars are going into mm. Afghanistan. Are they going into the Taliban? They're meant for the, the Afghan people. And with all of this billion dollars of military equipment still left there, it's quite the disaster um, for the country, for the Biden administration. I, but I want a lot of attention to fraud in government funding because 200 plus billion dollars in COVID relief fraud, like we've got problems. So catch it all. Tell us about Hank the Tank. <laughs> Tell you who caught it all. It was Hank the Tank. Uh, Hank the Tank, you may have heard of Hank the Tank, who is the bear, uh, who was uh, visiting the garbage cans and dumpsters uh, of the South Lake Tahoe area and became a little bit of an Internet celebrity because he a, was, a, was a thick boy, uh, as they would say, on the, on the Internet. Uh, and it turns out that it, uh, Hank the Tank they have identified and is a lady bear. Oh, wow. Uh, it's not Hank at all. We need another name uh, because... <laughs> She, she needs a better name. I think it's like 64R or something. Uh, but uh, as we get ready for fat bear season and hey. everybody's getting ready for the winter, I just want to say, uh, R64, I, I feel you. You are my spirit animal. I gave, I'm joining you in your quest. I gave my time to you, brother. I love to hang the tank. All right, that's it for, uh, for us on The Hill on News Nation. Elizabeth Vargas reports starts right now. I... The UFO whistleblower says someone inside the government is trying to smear him. A new article reveals deeply personal details of his life obtained by a simple information request. Is his mental health history fair game? Then, new images tonight at the southern border show how armed and dangerous the cartel 